Hey guys, welcome back. Before we get started on today's episode, I just want to give a little context. Um, This is the posting of actually several episodes after an unexpected, unintended hiatus due to a loss in my family. That said, I decided to post the episodes that I had prepared at that time in the order that I had prepared them in order to bring us back up to speed with this process, (laughs) being a an entrepreneur and a human being and interestingly enough today's episode was about something very similar and it's interesting that that I mean in reflection that that was what was on my mind um, and in my heart at this time but I won't keep you from it any longer um Enjoy the episode. Thanks. The hardest part about losing someone suddenly is that you don't get a chance to say goodbye. I once was in love with one of the most beautiful people I'd ever seen. (laughs) Rich was tall, like six foot four tall. Lanky but muscular in the most wonderful way. He had dark hair and the most dazzling smile I'd ever seen. He loved um, westerns and uh, like old films, and I think he sort of picked up on this um, like cowboy swagger. <laughs> I don't know what exactly it was, but he was. Mr. All-American. He grew up in a church-going family of some of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life. And just had this country-like sensibility about him. But he wanted to go to the big city. (laughs) He grew up in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I remember we always talked about going place, going someplace like Chicago. I think he was fascinated with the idea of these big cities and living in one. But he also had a heart that wouldn't have ever let him leave his family too far behind. That was a thing we, we talked about often. Our romance was complicated from the very beginning. In college, I had several really good friends right from the very beginning who became roommates of mine. And when I met Rich, my close friend Katie 
and uh, suite mate, I guess we'll call it, because of the way our dorm rooms were set up. Uh, she was head over heels in love with this guy. Had been for years because they'd run in the same circles with the church. And uh, he and I caught each other's eye pretty instantaneously, but I didn't feel like I could bridge that gap because I had a friend in between. So we struggled for a bit because we wanted to spend long nights talking and uh, just spending time together. He would show up randomly on campus. I remember he wasn't actually attending college at the time. But he would show up on campus every now and again. And somehow, uh, we always found each other. (laughs) And he'd walk with me. In New Mexico, the weather's mild most of the time, at least in Las Cruces, so... I remember these springtime and summertime walks where you slow down your pace because you don't want it to end. And we would walk and walk and talk and talk and laugh and sort of brush each other's hands and feel that thrill and that spark. And I had to leave it alone. I had to keep this wonderful secret from one of my closest friends because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I think it was the night we all, meaning my sweetmates and I, three, three of us, I think, went to his house. He was living with his parents and they were out of town. So he invited us all over for a movie which he later told me was really just, he just wanted to invite me, <laughs> but he understood. I think he, he knew about Katie as well, and he also was a gentleman and didn't want to put me in a situation that might feel uncomfortable. And that night we were all laying on the floor watching an old movie And he and I just kept creeping closer and closer and closer to one another. It was like a magnet draw. There was really nothing much we could do about it. And if I remember correctly, which, you know, memory is an interesting and fickle creature, my friend Katie finally just said, oh, forget it. (laughs) I, I I can't ignore it anymore. I would like to, but I can't just, you know, do it go for it which opened the door to one of the most learning, growing loving experiences of my entire life I mean I was 19 when he and I met He was 20, and it just got better. I don't know, sometimes you get what you want, and it wears off after a while, the joy of it. 
the toy that (laughs) you get that ends up in a corner collecting dust Uh, he wasn't that guy and I can say that even though at some points I loved him with my hands tied behind my back I um, I would see him walking on campus or coming to see me and I would see him coming and my heart would explode <laughs> almost every time the uh, smell of him, the touch of him like I'm five six and three quarters average height and just being wrapped up in him was wonderful he had really big feet (laughs) sometimes really stinky feet too but I I loved even that about him But I said I loved him with my hands tied behind my back because sometimes I would feel uncomfortable showing him how much I was excited to see him. Like, I always saw it in my head when I saw him coming that I wanted to run and, like, jump on him and throw my arms and legs around him. And so few times did I actually do that. I kind of lived out the fantasy in my head and not in real life and sort of held myself back. There was a point in my life not too long after he and I had been together for a while where I really regretted that because he wasn't there for me to do that with anymore. And nothing would give me the chance to make it right. Uh, About a year after, we've been together for a while, just over a year, Rich woke up one morning, he was at my place, and I remember him getting out of bed. I lived in a dorm, so this was a twin bed (laughs) that his feet hung over the end of, and we were jammed in there like sardines, but we made it work. I I think that must have been before the futon that I bought, (laughs) but I don't remember us being on the futon. We were definitely on the bed in my memory, and I remember him getting up in the morning it's kind of early and watching him get dressed and put on his big shoes <laughs> a pair of khaki pants and he used to like these jerseys he was so tall though that a lot of times they weren't really long enough <laughs> not for his torso slim brown torso and uh, he got dressed and he smiled at me he kissed me and I remember teasing him about something it was really my way of telling him how much I enjoyed watching his beautiful lithe body 
and he said goodbye. He was going hiking with a friend, our mutual friend from church and from school. And he said goodbye to me for the last time. I don't even remember what day it was. I, I imagine I had plans, maybe class or something. I don't remember. But we weren't inseparable, you know. He had his life and the things that he loved doing. I had mine. I had my friends. But we were, we were intertwined in a nice way. We, he knew my friends and they liked him. I knew his. They liked me. And I liked them and vice versa. But we also spent time apart. The next time I heard, not from him, but anything about him, was 4 a.m. the next day. When my phone rang, and I'd been thinking about him. I, I wasn't asleep because I'd just been wondering, you know, I wanted to hear his voice. I wanted to talk to him and hear about his hike, and I was sort of waiting for him to call me. But cell phones back then, and especially with him, he had broken his cell phone so many times, and it just was kind of like, okay, well, I'm sure he'll show up tomorrow because that's what he used to do he would just show up he would just be places <laughs> like I said we we always found each other but this phone call wasn't him it wasn't even Jason it was a pastor from our youth group or our college group at church. And uh, I remember I was awake and I think there was like an infomercial on or something at this point. God knows. <laughs> and I didn't want to answer the phone. I did. I did. Because I was hoping it was him. But there was a part of me that also didn't because I didn't want it not to be. None of my friends would have called me that late. So I answered the phone and heard the worst thing I can ever remember hearing. My uh, grandmother, great-grandmother actually, had died when I was younger. And sort of the same we got a phone call while we were out I think I was six and I had just she was 80 something years old I had just seen her about a month before and I remember later even at that young age thinking there was something very final about when I saw her the last time and so when that news came I felt like I'd had the opportunity to say goodbye it was maybe different than actually getting to sit with someone and say goodbye which I don't think most of us get the chance to do but this was different this was worse because 
he wasn't 85 years old. He was 21. He turned 21 on December 21st, the year before. And I was right behind him. <laughs> and, um, I remember the feeling in my body. I, I, it's like everything dropped. Like the floor dropped out below, from beneath me. And our counselor, I don't remember what his title was at the church. He said, I'm, I'm coming to get you. Um, you know, get dressed. I mean, I'll be there and however many minutes and I said okay I remember I think I had my hand over my mouth and I said okay and while the floor had fallen out from underneath me it felt like this chasm had opened and from inside of it was just this overwhelming sense of panic so I hung up the phone and I called my mom and I I don't I don't even remember how I got the words out. I don't, I don't think I... <laughs> it was two hours ahead and of where my mom was. My mom was in California. And I could hear the terror in her voice, but at the same time, she, she kept calm. She said, we don't know anything yet. We don't know anything yet. Take a deep breath and just wait. I got in the shower because I couldn't stop shaking and I just felt like I needed to be warm. The shower in this dorm room was really funny because it was so small. <laughs> you had to, you when you opened the door, it actually it was like a door to a to the shower because it completely closed off the shower. And in order to close the door, you had to straddle the toilet because if you were standing in front of the toilet, you couldn't open the door. <laughs> it was a really interesting setup. So it probably built in like 1960 or something. It's an old building. And so you can imagine any time he and I had been in that space together, it was a very intimate sort of situation. But uh, I stood in the shower trying to breathe. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't get warm. So I turned the water on as hot as I could and I just stood there hyperventilating. <laughs> And that was the last time I heard from him. Because suddenly, out of nowhere, I was calm. I was warm. And I felt, I felt him there. And then I felt him go. I'm luckier than most because in its own way that is a form of goodbye 
it wasn't enough. <laughs> I don't think it could ever have been enough. But I got out of the shower, I got dressed. The guy came and picked me up. We went to the visitor center of the mountain range that was visible in the distance from my campus. And they told us what was going on. That they had search and rescue on the mountain looking for him. That they'd been looking for hours. And that at a certain point they would be looking for a body. God, I remember hearing those words and hearing my mom in my mind saying we don't know anything yet but I knew I knew because I'd felt him go and I held his father this very stoic church going God fearing man as he broke down in my arms The next few years were the worst for me. I remember thinking sometimes that it was a mistake that like one day walking on campus I would see him towering above the crowd with that big smile making someone happier because he just made people happy wherever he went when he was angry or upset it was a whirlwind (laughs) but it was the kind I don't know it was the kind that you wanted I, I don't even know how to describe that like he was just he lit up a room he lit up the outside So I went to find him. I was always looking for him. He took me once to the base of this mountain range. It was his favorite place in the whole world. And he he actually found a camera once. I don't remember where he was, but he found this like DSLR camera. It was really nice. Turned it into the police um, and then waited the requisite amount of time for somebody to come pick it up and they never did so he just sort of inherited this new camera and we would go out and take pictures all the time there was this road in front of the mountains that just went through like the the brush I guess you know desert sort of landscape and one night in the spring I never let anybody drive my car (laughs) my parents were like no 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 but we'd been together for a while and I trusted him and he asked me one night he said can I can I take you somewhere and I don't remember where his car was but I said yeah okay it was late but it was a full moon and he said okay but I want you to close your eyes so he made me close my eyes like this whole ride and then we got somewhere he slowed down and I could feel the crunch of gravel under the tires but he slowed down and he rolled down the window and this like warm 
spring breeze floated through the windows and he said, do you smell that? And it was a smell, this light, earthy, sweet smell. As he crept to a stop, gravel crunching and rocks pinging as we slowed down. Then he got out, he came, he opened my door, he brought me out directed me to stand somewhere I don't remember and he said open your eyes and the moon was cascading down over these little flowers it's like a a seabed of them along this little valley I guess at the base of this mountain it was gorgeous So I looked for him there. I looked for him when I was walking on campus. Sometimes I would hear his voice. Eventually I moved off campus because being there all the time was more than I could handle. I am... My friends were great the night of his funeral. I mean, my family was amazing. My friends were great, but shortly after things, you know, died down, I think maybe the last memorial service, my fan, friends and family who had come from out of town to be with me were gone, and I was there in this place that I had hated until I met him. (laughs) I didn't know how I was going to see the sunrises there and watch the hills turn purple without him. And my friends were really supportive. They... I, uh, I'm a very private person, apparently, and I remember one night I wanted something, we were done, I think we were hanging out, and, you know, that part of the night had come, and I'd, we were probably watching something, like a romantic comedy or something, and they may have seen a reaction in me, I don't know, but I went to tell them, like, okay, thanks guys, and they were like, they all said no they had their pajamas in their bags and they were like girl you have a futon we've got more popcorn let's watch something else and they refused to let me be alone because they knew that I was dumb enough and too proud to be able to say that I didn't want to be alone because I didn't know it But the next couple years, I uh, drifted away from several of them. I partied a lot. I drank a lot. I smoked a little. I think 
I remember going on the first date that I ever went on after he died and this guy had been a friend of mine for a while and I just I thought he was wonderful he looked like Hugh Jackman but like in his sexiest Wolverine sort of way um gorgeous smile kind of bushy hair not anything that I would normally think is attractive but there's just something really sexy about this guy and I probably would have dated him at some point if Rich and I hadn't been together but I tried to go out on a date with this guy and after all that time it was like huh yeah no and I think we both knew I wasn't emotionally available and it was weird because I think after that we weren't really uh, closer friends anymore moving off campus does that though I will say in college you you end up with a different sort set of friends because everybody starts to move a little further afield So my friend group expanded and shifted and changed and I grew closer to people who knew and didn't know at the same time. I don't know, they facilitated a different sort of outlet for me. I was, when I stopped looking for him, I started trying to forget I can never forget. His memories were always at the bottom of a bottle somewhere, or... Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't forget. And... The reason I... (laughs) (laughs) Wabi-sabi. my life with him my life after him the good and the bad are my golden cracks I didn't get to say goodbye until 2017 I'd been back to New Mexico and I, I I visited his grave once before I left and once on the way through town um, but I stopped talking to his family I couldn't I couldn't do it I thought I was brave enough I thought I was better than that I just he had this little niece she was so cute and he loved her so much Sadie god Sadie's probably like an adult now which is nuts maybe a middle teenager and every time I saw her or heard her giggle I just I thought of him His family was so close. 
and I didn't know how to be a part of it without him, even though they welcomed me and accepted me. I didn't know how to have that much pain in that circle, and they may have been exactly what I needed at the time, but I guess the way I think now is what I experienced was exactly what I needed. But I got to say goodbye in 2017 at a master certification training for neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy. And we had the opportunity to do this process with some master practitioners, some teacher, teachers, certified teachers. And I, I think we had to like submit sort of an application for what we wanted to release was release work. And I submitted my application and they they invited me up in front of the whole certification class to do this exercise. And um I got to go back to the moment when I heard his voice saying goodbye to me for the last time. When I felt his lips for the last time and touched his skin. I got to go back to that moment and say everything that I wanted to say. One of the weird things about memory of loss is that you start to forget. You start to forget the nuances. But some of them stand out really clearly. Like, I could remember what his hands looked like. I literally could remember what his his feet smelled like. (laughs) And I could remember, like, the details of his favorite running shoes. Um... I could see the brown mark in his eye. But there were other details that started to get, like, fuzzy. And in that memory, I couldn't remember his face. And I felt so guilty about that. I felt like my memory of him was broken because I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen him exactly what he looked like and I knew his smile I knew every crease (laughs) every dimple I knew his smile and yet when I thought about it I thought that's not the smile I saw that day like I, I know I'm just sort of piecing it together from another smile I've seen that wasn't the that wasn't the smile I want to remember the smile that I saw that day. And in 2017, at that training, I got to see it again in my own mind. Because it it was up there. I knew it was up there. In there, I should say. I always say up. (laughs) But I knew it was there. And I finally got to say, thank you. 
and that as deeply, deeply grateful as I was for his life and as were the hundreds of people that came to his funeral, I was also trying to be grateful for his death because it had, even in its messiness, or my messiness in the aftermath, had led me to where I was, sitting on a stage, working through my shit so that I could help other people. (laughs) He was the, a lot of the inspiration for that. I remember one day, I used to think, I fall in love with him all the time. Like, that's what I used to think when I was with him, because I would fall in love with him multiple times a week. (laughs) And it was validated so many times, and I, I don't know, I guess I really didn't know anything about unconditional love then, but I may have been experiencing it in a way. But there were just things that he would do. He wouldn't even think about it. He would go and visit old, older people from the church and just spend time talking with them. He would, you know, go to their their shop, spend time talking with them. He... <laughs> I remember he pulled over once we were on the way home from dinner or going to dinner or who knows, we were going somewhere, movie, something. And he saw some people pulled over in a parking lot with their hazard lights on. They might have been, I don't remember if they were waiting for AAA or whatever, but he pulled over. And just as sure as could be with that cowboy swagger and that big smile and the deep bass of his voice, walked over and just said, hey, can I help? And that's who he was. Can I help? He played with the kids at church and just anywhere, anytime you needed help with something. He was there. He was available. And with a smile on his face, you're never putting him out. Just every ounce of kindness in the whole world was packed into this beautiful six foot four (laughs) just (laughs) I miss him every day not so much in a romantic way anywhere anymore. I've carried on my life in that way in several times now. And now I'm with someone that I love and admire and is also someone the first time we, we met over the course of three days, we just kept finding each other. But I'm grateful because 
looking back when I was clearer, when the drinking stopped and the, all of the, the things stopped. When I looked back, I saw my blind spots. I saw where I withheld love or affection and it didn't make it go away right away. I made a lot of mistakes in the next relationship I was in, but he still taught me so much and his life, his death, his influence and impact put me on a path that I don't know I would have otherwise been on. Who knows? So it's kind of like Wabi Sabi Wednesday. It might be Wabi Sabi week, frankly. But it's also, I just want to say thank you. And I have before in private and in quiet. But this is a story I very rarely share. This is something I don't talk about. I've been friends with people for years who had no idea that this ever happened to me. And because Wabi Sabi is sort of the theme of the week, embracing the flaws of life and ourselves and finding the beauty in them, embracing the beauty in them, I decided that this would be the story I would share.